home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast. My name is Doug, and I would like to share a story with you. <laughs> it was a Friday morning in the spring of 2019, and I was on my way home from work. I worked the midnight shift, so this was the start of my weekend. I was thinking about what I hoped to accomplish over the next couple days. I needed to cut the lawns, maybe do a little framing and drywall in the laundry room. I probably needed to hit the grocery store at some point. And laundry. Can't forget about the laundry. With my wife at work and the kid at school, I have the house to myself on Friday. Well, the dog and I have the house to ourselves. It's a good opportunity to get stuff done without any distractions. But first, a nap. I usually sleep from about 9 till 2, but on Friday, I set the alarm for 11 o'clock. I get less sleep, but that's three bonus hours to do stuff. So I have all these thoughts swirling around in my head as I'm driving home, energized by the knowledge that my weekend has begun. And then I get a notification on my cell phone. My cell phone is in a holder that's clipped onto one of the vents in my minivan. Our distracted driving law is pretty strict in Ontario with a fine of $1,000, but with the phone in the holder, I don't have to pick it up. I just have to tap a button and go hands-free. And texts, well, texts I don't bother with until I'm at home. But I get a notification for a text. It's Friday, so I figure it's one of those messages, you know the type. If you go to the grocery store, could you get... So I ignore it. Whatever it is can wait until I get home. I'll read it then. Well, a couple more minutes go by and the phone rings. It's the wife. I know it's my wife because I have a special ring for her. So I blindly hit the button to answer the call and put her on speaker. She is hysterical. Well, extremely upset anyway. Blah, 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 deer, blah, 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 car, blah, 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 tow truck, blah, 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 police. Um, About five years ago, my wife had collided with a deer, caused a few thousand dollars of damage to the car, and I was wondering now if there was some sort of rip in the space-time continuum to account for this deja vu thing that was happening. Um, okay. Are you okay? Yes? Good. As long as everyone is all right, now let's figure out what is going on. At this point, I have pulled off the road, not wanting to risk dropping the call and not wanting to drive while I was giving this call my full attention. And as we talk, the narrative emerges. She was driving on her way to work taking the kid to school. A deer ran in front of the car. That one she saw. She did not see the second deer, the one that ran into the side of the car. Nope. She did not see that one until it bounced off the windshield and took off. 
My daughter's text message told the whole story. I was parked now, so I could read it. Deer hit the windshield. We're okay. The windshield? Not so much. I find out where they are, and I drive to the scene. The car is pulled off to the side of the road. Now, this appears to be a typical residential area with houses on both sides of the road, on 60-foot lots, give or take. What wasn't obvious is that there is a conservation area behind the houses on one side of the road. The car had a huge dent in the hood. The passenger side fender was crushed, the mirror was broken off, and the windshield was shattered, but still in place. Inside the car, a layer of glass dust covered the dashboard and the console and the seats and the floor. The point of impact on the windshield was on the passenger side, right in front of our daughter. Had that windshield caved in, well, suffice it to say that it could have been much, much worse. After about 15 minutes, the officer arrives and he takes down my wife's information. Now, she's still going to have to go to the accident reporting center to give her statement, but um, he tells us that at this point, we're free to go. He'll take care of the tow truck, which was, was about 10 minutes away, and he knew that we had things to do, so he would take care of everything for us. I take the kid to school and drop my wife off at work. And then I make the half-hour drive home to do a little laundry and maybe squeeze in a short nap. We plan to go to the accident reporting center on my wife's lunch break. The center is open from 9 till 5. My wife works from 8 till 5. Not exactly the most convenient hours of operation. Meanwhile, she touches base with the insurance company. When I get home, I do a few chores And I'd only slept for about half an hour when I get jolted awake by my phone. It's my wife. She tells me that the insurance company wants me to go to the tow yard and get the stuff out of the car and release the car to them so they can have it towed to a location where the adjuster can examine it. As I said, my wife's work is half an hour from home. The tow yard is in the same area. So we work, we work out a schedule. We synchronize our swatches. Bonus points if you get that reference. And it looks like the half hour will be the only sleep I get today. I am feeling pretty groggy, so I slap some cold water on my face to clear the cobwebs. I pick my wife up around noon. We go to the reporting center. And after she takes care of that business, I then drop her back off at work and go to the tow yard. I take care of that stuff, and I still have two hours to kill before I have to pick the kid up from school. I'm in the general area, but what am I going to do for two hours? So I decide to go home again. I don't have a clear recollection at this point, but I think maybe I shifted some laundry and then flopped on the bed for about half an hour or so. No sleep, just stretching out horizontally. I then drive the half hour to pick the kid up from school. She's exhausted. It's been a rough day for her. 
and I can tell that she does not want to hang around the city until mom gets off work. And frankly, I don't feel like it either. So I drive home again. This time I am determined to get in a 20 out 20, 20 hour. Yeah, right. I'm determined to get in a 20 minute power nap before leaving again to pick up my wife from work and take her to the car rental place. Long day. We were very fortunate that there were no injuries as a result of this accident. Well, no injuries to humans at least. I don't think things worked out quite so well for the deer. But wife and daughter were physically okay, so I guess I should be grateful. But, you know, all things being about me, it still messed up the entire day. Cars ain't nothing but metal and plastic. They can be fixed. They can be replaced. It's just a matter of waiting on the insurance company to do their thing. And wait, we did. It took two weeks for the insurance company to assess the damage and determine that it was fixable. Based on their algorithms and whatnot, they had originally thought that it was going to be a write-off. But yeah, it was two weeks before it got towed to the body shop, and then it took another two weeks for the body shop to work their magic. One month. One month without our car. One month with a rental that my wife wasn't exactly in love with. But hey, at least the insurance covered it. After a month, the car was back in our driveway. All was well again, at least for us. The fate of that deer, still a mystery. My wife was not at fault. There was nothing that she could have done any differently to avoid the accident. She wasn't speeding. She wasn't distracted. Stuff happens. The deer ran into her. <laughs> but we did learn something at the accident reporting center, which is the reason why I am sharing this story. You see, along that stretch of road where the houses on one side back onto conservation land, there is a lady who feeds the deer. We learned this from the accident reporting center. The officer there recognized the address of the location of the accident and said that they have a lot of accidents involving deer along that stretch of road. Apparently, this lady has had up to 20 deer at a time in her backyard, and they will come up and eat right out of her hand. We later found out that this lady's house does not even back onto the conservation land. It's on the other side of the road which means that the deer have to cross the road to get to her backyard. Well, apparently, not all of them make it. <laughs> I will again point out that the deer had shattered the windshield in front of our daughter's face. So this lady likes feeding the deer. It's probably her way of communing with nature. I mean, a lot of us have been to a petting zoo. There is something kind of magical about an animal eating out of your hand. Well, this isn't a petting zoo. These animals are wild. But, hey, they eat out of her hand. She is the deer whisperer. 
What is her motivation? Is she being compassionate, thinking that she's helping the deer by providing food? Or is she more narcissistic? Look at me. Look how the deer eat out of my hand. Look at how the deer love coming onto my property. There is also something magical about living near an area that has a lot of wildlife. I mean, it's why we bought our money pit house. There was protected land beside us and behind us. And we did have deer in our backyard occasionally, and that was kind of special. But I never fed the animals. I never took any steps to try to attract or lure any animals onto our property. I did not want them to become dependent on us in any way. The previous owner, though, (laughs) the previous owner of our house used to feed the raccoons. She left a note for us when they moved out about this raccoon that would visit every evening and wait patiently for a peanut butter sandwich that would take right from her hands. And this went on for two years. Unfortunately for that raccoon, we did not carry on the tradition and she had to find her meals elsewhere once we moved in. At the time, our daughter was a year old and we also had a dog and encouraging a raccoon to come around would have been a bad idea, both for the raccoon and probably for us too. And something else you don't necessarily think about when you attract certain animals to a certain area is that you also risk attracting their predators. So you're putting those animals and possibly yourself at risk. But there were instances when my philosophy of non-interference was tested. And those involved stray or feral cats. Do feral cats count as wildlife? I don't know. There are plenty of them in the city as well. They're not exactly unique to more natural areas. But I'm going to share these stories anyway. Now, some people will leave water and food out for strays, and I'm sure those people will see me as cruel, heartless. But I assure you that's not the case. Now, I admit I am a dog person, but my wife had a couple cats when we got married. And when one of those cats got sick, we spent around $5,000 in vet bills. It may not have been the best financial decision, but for both of us, both of us, including me, it was the only choice. But anyway, in the case of strays, first of all, I would prefer that they don't hang around our property to begin with. Again, I will point out that we had a dog. Stray cats? Black Lab, probably not the best combination. I also wouldn't want to risk any injury to any member of my family. Rabies, anyone? And to be fair to the strays, as I said before, I wouldn't want them to become so accustomed to us providing for them that they rely on us rather than fend for themselves. My view is that whatever happens, happens. Nature is cruel, and it isn't always pretty, but that's just the way it is. But there were three occasions 
when we interfered. There was one evening that I happened to look out the front window and I saw a cat laying in the middle of the road in obvious distress. I assumed that it had probably been hit by a car. I could have ignored it, left it there, and it probably would have been roadkill by the morning. But instead, I grabbed a storage bin and a towel, placed him in it, and made a few phone calls. The Humane Society said that they would pick him up and take him to the emergency vet, but we might have to wait a couple hours. So my daughter and I volunteered to take him to the emergency vet ourselves. As long as the Humane Society was footing the bill, mind you. The whole time, I was assuming that this kitty was probably going to be euthanized. But the vet that checked him out came back to us in the waiting room and said that he was going to be fine. And they would hold him for the Humane Society. Now, I don't know for sure that he was telling the truth or if he was maybe shielding my daughter. But either way, we had done what we could for this animal. And its fate, whatever it was, was probably better than it would have been if I just ignored it. There was another cat that I saw almost daily for a while. Now, she would usually sit at the top of our driveway. I'd see her when I got home from work in the morning. And I would see her scurry in and out of the woods when I was cutting the grass. We kept our distance, but there was always a sort of relationship between us. After a while, this yellow cat had a tiny kitten with her. When I pulled up in the driveway, she would pick the kitten up by the scruff and carry it into the backyard. And my wife and I, we both got used to seeing them together, the yellow mama cat carrying around her little black and white kitten or the kitten scampering behind Mama. Well, one day this kitten was alone. It was next to our porch in the morning. I figured that Mama was probably off hunting somewhere nearby, but in the afternoon, the kitten was still around, and there was no sign of Mama. When my wife came home from work, she and our daughter decided to take the kitten to the Humane Society. My wife had a bad feeling that something had happened to Mama. When the Humane Society told her that the kitten was too young to survive on her own, we knew that the right decision had been made. And that decision was reinforced the next day when my wife spotted fresh roadkill on her way to work that looked like it was probably yellow Mama Cat. So, had my wife not intervened, this kitten would have continued crying for Mama while slowly starving to death. Now, at least, it had the opportunity for survival. And it was young enough that it would probably have a pretty good chance of being adopted. Now, that whole thing about not feeding the animals that I was talking about, well, that went out the window on this next occasion. If I remember right, it was the fall. I had been burning a bunch of twigs and small branches in our small fire pit in the backyard while I was cutting the grass. I was done for the day. I packed everything up. The fire had burned itself out, and now I was inside the house. When I looked out the window, 
and I saw a cat laying on top of the warm ashes. This cat was nothing but skin and bones, basically a skeleton with fur. I went back outside to take a closer look, but when it saw me, it slinked back into the woods. But not too far. It was just kind of hanging out. It probably didn't have the energy to go too far. It was obvious that this cat was not much longer for this world. So I go back inside. I get some canned salmon in a plastic storage container. And I take that outside and put it down at the edge of the woods. And I return to the house where I could watch the cat tentatively emerging far enough, just far enough, so that he could eat what was probably going to be his last meal. You see, this is the reality of living close to nature. Sure, you can argue about whether or not stray or feral cats qualify as nature in the same way that deer and raccoons and other animals do. Not that it matters what I think, but in a way, I believe they do. Regardless, in nature, you always have this struggle for survival. And death is part of that. It sucks, but that's the reality. It ain't all cute, fuzzy animals eating out of your hand. When you feed the animals, whether out of compassion or narcissism, you are interfering with nature. And that can have unintended consequences. Unintended consequences like my wife's accident. Both my wife and daughter believe that first deer was smaller, possibly a fawn, and that the deer that hit our car was larger. Chances are pretty good that it was likely the mama. And we don't know the fate of that deer, how badly it was injured or if it even survived. For all we know, it may have just gone off somewhere to die. And if that's the case, what does that mean for the fawn? Was it even old enough to survive on its own? Not to mention the fact that the windshield was shattered right in front of my daughter's face. There could have been human victims in this incident as well. All because someone enjoys luring deer into her backyard. You know, the, the, the farthest thing from that woman's mind is harming deer. Yet, that is exactly what she is doing. <laughs> wow. Uh, this one was kind of a bummer, wasn't it? But I think it's important to realize the impact that we can have on wildlife, especially if we live on a property near natural areas. And... This also includes our use of pesticides. We know that pesticides are having an effect on the bee population. Spraying toxic chemicals can harm other wildlife as well. Let's face it, there are many ways that we can harm wildlife, and we are pretty good at all of them. I should also mention that sometimes it's not necessarily a bad idea to interfere with nature just a bit. Whatever we can do to keep the bee population healthy, to support other pollinators like hummingbirds, can actually be beneficial. So there are exceptions to the no interference rule. The key is awareness 
understanding nature and our place in it and the effect that we have on it. And the closer we live to natural areas, the more important this is. And that will do it for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, share. You know what to do. The website is thumbandhammer.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Thumb and Hammer. I will talk to you again soon. Cheers.